This is Rob Sevich, and welcome to Relaxing with Rob. I gave the convocation address at a residential college on my campus a few years ago, and I thought I would share that today. I've edited it down a bit for this purpose uh, because it's the beginning of the school year, and if you are starting college or if you know someone who is who might get something out of this podcast, uh, feel free to direct them to it. So it's kind of autobiographical, uh, and instead of ending with an experiment, I have five experiments or five suggestions embedded in this address. So here goes. In my family, I'm the youngest of four, not a first-generation student. All three of my siblings went to college, but they all withdrew. One later returned and went on to earn a master's degree. But the letters I wrote to my mom during my first semester went like this. And I'm quoting here because she saved them and gave them back to me years later. Quote, I suppose it's too early to think along these lines, but I'm starting to have doubts about surviving four years up here, let alone be admitted into graduate school. I don't think I'm cut out for it. This feeling isn't so much a lack of confidence in myself as it is a practical realization of my abilities. End quote. When I read them, I didn't recognize myself. Apparently, I believed I was smart enough to get into college, but not smart enough to graduate. Asking for help was simply not done in my family. For instance, when my dad died unexpectedly the day before college began, it never occurred to me to get counseling, nor did my mom suggest it. I did get involved with a church near campus, and the connections I made with the staff there became a web of support. So if spirituality is a value for you, continue nourishing it. Regardless of how you do it, my first suggestion is ask for help. Coming from a fairly small high school where I was an average student, attending a large university was a huge adjustment. To help make school seem smaller, I went to office hours. And there never seemed to be other students doing the same. It's still true today at most colleges. I got to see my professors and TAs as real people outside of class. And they got to see me as more than a student ID. Whether I was projecting on them or not, I think they became invested in my success, and that motivated me to try a little harder than I might otherwise have done. It also led to research opportunities that would not have otherwise presented themselves. Suggestion number two, attend office hours. It was in college, in fact, during my first semester, that I began to love learning. Oddly, Grades seemed to take care of themselves. When I was invited to join the honors program after my first semester, I was sure they had made a mistake, as I was not exactly honors material. But I joined the program, moved on to an honors floor the following year, and got to know other students who also loved learning. Although being surrounded by such bright people made me face my inferiority complex, my learning pace accelerated. I started to think about what might be possible to achieve in life, not just what I could not do. 
and truthfully, grades didn't really take care of themselves. I worked hard. But as I learned early on, people like me have to work hard if they lack talent. Anyway, I met an English professor on a brief three-week study abroad experience, and nearly 40 years later, we remained friends. We share joys and sorrows, book and movie reviews, and lots of laughter. Unlikely connections with potentially wonderful long-term consequences are everywhere on your campus. Just keep an open mind and you'll find them. My wife of 38 years was my next-door neighbor in college. What started as a friendship where we found ourselves complaining about our current partners turned into something much more. Your best friends from college might be next to you right now, and you just haven't met them yet. So when you're in your dining hall, you'll see a student sitting alone, eating, texting, looking very busy. Suggestion number three, ask, mind if I join you? The odds are they won't mind, but only wish they'd had the nerve to have done the same. Now, maybe you won't become fast friends, but maybe you will, and you'll never know if you don't try. I hope you'll have the chance to study abroad, but even if you don't, please be open to the international student population on your campus. Getting to know people from other countries and cultures will help you become a citizen of the world. What once mattered to me were things. But after burying your parents and making enough donations to Goodwill, most things lose their luster. In other words, we know from the Switchfoot song, Gone, all the riches of the kings end up in wills. By the way, if you're able-bodied now, the chances are that you will become disabled to some extent before you die. I think of how Ryan Knighton, a young man who gradually lost his sight, observed in his memoir, Cockeyed, quote, I don't think of there, only here. What I tap is where I am and what I'm doing. It's nice living in the here and now, end quote. So suggestion number four is be mindful now. Savor the senses you do have and expect nothing, as Alice Walker writes, and live frugally on surprise. For me, mindfulness, more than anything, matters now. Having an appreciation of moment-to-moment experience, the highs and the lows, helps me make and keep friends, express love for my family, treasure the natural world, and work with purpose. Throughout my career, I've helped students with stress-related problems. Although the life of the mind is prized in the academy, I've discovered the dark side of our focus on the intellect. We overvalue it. Part of my mission has involved teaching students to not believe everything they think. With about 50,000 thoughts a day, many of them are simply not true, or at least not very helpful, and certainly pretty stressful. If you can relate, then my final suggestion, number five, is don't believe everything you think, or it'll drive you nuts. I believe that's the clinical term. You have thoughts, but you're more than your thoughts. You have feelings, but you're more than your feelings. And you will have grades, but believe me, 
You are more than your grades. St. Francis de Sales apparently said that half an hour's meditation each day is essential, except for when you're busy. Then a full hour is needed. Well, I'm a realist, and I go with current research on what's needed to trigger the relaxation response, and that's about 10 to 20 minutes of practice. What I often suggest is just 10 minutes a day. You can find 10 minutes, can't you? And you don't need to sit cross-legged on a cushion to get there. What I've aimed for in my life is to find some center of calm, an inner peace, no matter how chaotic my surroundings might be. For you, it could be taking a few minutes a day with your phone on Do Not Disturb to simply breathe, or maybe finding a quiet place on your campus, or recognize at least one thing today for which you're grateful. I'm grateful for the chance to share this with you today. Thank you and best of success. Well, that's it for now. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk again soon.